what is your favorite season? Budget season. Well, I know that you're excited about budget season, but some people are a little skeptical about where their tax money goes. Education makes up over half the county's budget. So this week on Frederick Uncut, we dive into Frederick County's Board of Education budget priorities and tell you where your tax dollars are going. Then later in the episode, we'll talk to Steve Bonell, who covers the county government for the Frederick News Post and has been following the budget process from that level. So, Mr. Young, we are in the midst of budget season, and um, thank you so much for coming on today to talk a little bit more about um, the Board of Education's budget, which is now um, sent off to county council. Could you tell us a little bit about the basic process and what to expect from here? Well, actually, we've sent it off to the county executive, and at this point, uh, we have had hearings. um, The the superintendent came out with her recommended budget in January. Uh, The board took a look at that, and we put put that budget out to the public for public comment. We had a public hearing two weeks ago where the public was able to come out and make comments about the budget. We've also taken comments via email. Uh, and also by phone call. Uh, So the board voted at our last meeting to send the budget over to the county executive uh, for her review. Uh, She will make a recommendation to the county council uh, as far as how much of that she's going to fund. We requested $19.8 million more than we received last year. Uh, The majority of that money is going to the completion of our salary transition schedule. Uh, Four years ago, we worked really hard with our teachers association to develop a new pay scale that made our pay much more competitive within the state. Unfortunately, we had fallen to the bottom paid starting teacher pay in the state of Maryland, and that's just absolutely unacceptable. Uh, Under the new salary scale, we've pulled back up in the top third, which is where we should be given the the uh, amount of economic wealth in our county and where we're at. Uh, If we want to attract and retain the best teachers in the state, we have to be able to pay uh, accordingly to get those types of people. And so uh, it was a, a critical point to get to that, but it required a, uh, a big transition amount of money. And we've been doing that over the last four years. This would be the fourth year. After we get this year done, then we'll actually be on the new scale. And the step that we'll have to pay for each year is significantly less than what it was five years ago. Uh, therefore, it makes it more um, attainable each year to give the step that we promise our teachers when we hire them that we would give them each year. So as a new teacher, when you come to Frederick County, we tell you what your starting base is, and then we show you uh, a step that you would get each year and where you would get throughout your career. Uh, We also provide additional lanes depending upon uh, additional education that our teachers get and certifications uh, that they can do to increase their pay as they go through their career. So that's going to take, again, the majority of this year's additional budget request. We're very hopeful the county executive and county council have been very good to us the past three years. Uh, so we're, we're very hopeful that they will look at that in honor and, and give us as much as they uh, can in this year's budget. Uh, assuming that they don't give us the entire amount, uh, after we finalize what funding we're getting from the state Uh, And what we get from the county, if there's a deficit, we'll have additional meetings to figure out how we're going to raise or either raise additional funds through 
lowering budgets or through actual cutting of, of programs or uh, resources in the budget. And those will happen generally probably sometime around May. Uh, our budget does take effect on July 1. So we have to have a balanced budget in place sometime by June. So that's kind of the process right now. Uh, right now, there's still a wiggle room and things that can happen within the budget. So before we adopt the final budget, there could still be some shifting depending upon that. Our, our hope is, though, and this board has been um, working to identify our uh, objectives in the budget. And so we had talks about that, and the board had an opportunity if we had priorities to put those into the budget. I, I will say that in our budget, uh, the $19.8 million uh, is what we're requesting to fund uh, what we consider to be the absolute necessary things. There's a whole list of things that our staff requested that are not included in that $19.8 million that we've already decided that we can't ask for this year. Uh, so again, people will say, well, you know, give them what they need to operate. That's a hard number to come up with. And so, uh, again, it would be optimal if we got another $100 million. We could do a lot of great things. We know that's not realistic and it's not going to happen. So what we try to do is put together a budget that we send to the county uh, that, that encompasses the major objectives of what we need to run our school system well, to keep qualified staff, to attract qualified new staff, and to provide the resources to our students. And we think this budget uh, will do that, and we're very optimistic that the county will fund the majority or all of it. Right, and some of the funding could change a little bit depending on what the Kerwin Commission does, which is a commission, a state-level commission right. on education. They've made some recommendations, and we'll have to see what happens with that going forward. Right, the Kerwin Commission's been going on over the past year or so, and it's still very ebb and flow. We don't know exactly what's going to come out of it. Uh, we're hoping, and the, the goal was that there would be additional funds that would come out of it for education, and uh, we're, we're still waiting to find out what that amount will be and then how prescriptive it is to how it has to be used. So uh, that's, again, very much in flux right now. Uh, as you know, last year the state uh, voters voted to approve the lockbox question, which dedicated the casino revenues to education. And part of what Kerwin and these other things are doing is trying to figure out you know, where revenues are, what additional things the school system needs, uh, and how they should be used. So uh, we're, like I say, we're kind of on pins and needles to find out how that's going to come out. Uh, and again, down in Annapolis right now, it's fairly early in the session. Uh, there's a lot of things that are being uh, talked about. Uh, as we get into the session later, uh, we start to see what really might have a chance of getting through. Our board will discuss those various proposals and, and make uh, a statement either of support or against particular pieces of legislation, depending on how we think it benefits Frederick County. And we know that FCPS staff have lifted, listed a few of those items that they would like to have, and those are left off the budget. I know one right. of those is decreasing class sizes. Yes. Um, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about, you know, what some of those other things that may be down the road right. um, you might want to see. But I'd also like to hear more about, you mentioned um, the board had a chance to talk about its priorities right. and, and influence the budget that way. So I'd yeah. like to hear more about that, too. Well, I, I'll say personally, and I know the majority of the board, if not all the board, would love to see more assets and resources dedicated to mental health. We, we know we have a severe problem in our country, in our county, 
and in most of our, if not all of our schools with mental health. And, and so we've been dedicating additional resources the past couple budgets to add additional school psychologists and social workers uh, into, our, into our budget. We're way above the ratio of students to counselors and students to psychologists that we should be. And, and so I, as a board member, am dedicated to working towards getting those numbers to where they should be. And so again, a lot of these national incidents that we have, unfortunately, of school violence, school shootings, uh, generally are uh, perpetrated by uh, either students or individuals that have mental health issues. And so if we can address and identify those and get resources to those folks ahead of time, hopefully we can avert those from happening in the future. Uh, and so that is certainly a priority. School safety is a priority. Uh, we're currently in the process of finalizing uh, securitizing the entrances to our school buildings. We still have 17 schools where once you get buzzed into the front door of the school, you're in the general population. And so we're working on making sure that every school, that once you come in, you're in a secure area so that our personnel can run your ID through the Raptor program check to make sure you're not on any uh, registered list that you wouldn't want to be in a school or to intercept any potential problems before you're in the general area of the school. So this summer, we hope to complete an additional seven schools, uh, which would leave I believe either 11 or 12 yet to be completed. Uh, it is a very complex thing because many of our schools, uh, when you walk in the main door, if the office is not right there, uh, it's a very tough design to figure out how you make a path for people to get to the office and not get to the general areas, but also allow students that go across those areas to other classrooms to be able to get to where they need to get to. Right, sometimes so, the offices are in the middle. Yeah, of the sometimes school, it's yeah. in the middle, and it's not a very practical way of doing that. Uh, and so, and it's also very expensive. And so, we've been fortunate; these seven that we have coming up this year, we were able to get a grant. Uh, to provide for those. Uh, but we want to continue to reinforce school safety and all the things we can do to make sure students are safe. I also, since I've been on the board, board have been an advocate of properly funding our OPEB account, which is our other post-employment benefits. We promise our employees that if you work for us for the majority of your career, that when you retire, we'll provide health benefits at the same cost that when you worked for us. And that has a significant price tag, and we're not owning up to that now. Uh, and what it's creating is a big liability that somebody's going to have to pay down the road. So again, as we move forward and we start to get back into a position, hopefully, of having new resources that we can decide where they should be allocated, that the board has a commitment to going back and increasing that and paying up on the obligation that we've made to our employees. I'd hate to be the board member sitting on the diocese 20 years from now and have to send a letter out to our retires and say, you know what? Thank you for your 30 years of service. We, we really thank you for that. But unfortunately, the promise that we made to you to pay for your health care, we can't afford anymore, and therefore you're going to have to pay for it. And if we don't do something about it, that's an, a very real possibility. Yeah, so you mentioned mental health. This budget has two, I believe, two additional two two new, new positions. positions yes. Right, and that's on par with recent years you've been adding. I, I believe we've added two new positions each of the last couple of years. Uh, I'd like that number to be 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, this year's budget, that's not 
going to happen. Uh, and so, again, as we get through this year's budget, the transition is complete. As we move forward next year, if we continue to get mm-hmm. the type increases that we've been getting, mm-hmm. we'll finally be in a position where we can go back and look at class size. Class size was probably one of the toughest votes that that I had to make since being on the board. And that was after going through three straight years of no funding increases and our employees were saying, we need to have a raise. And so what we did was we increased class size across the board, which created enough dollars to give a raise, but it's put more uh, pressures on our teachers. It's put more uh, pressures on our students being in bigger classes. And so as we move forward, that's definitely something that I would like to see us address, trying to get class sizes smaller so that they're more manageable for, yeah, for our teachers. Were, right? Yeah, and yeah. at least to where they were. Yeah. Um, are there, you mentioned at the beginning um, the teacher pay scale, which has been a four-year process. Right. Is that, and, and maybe mention a few others of the line items you're really happy to be seeing this year? Well, that is, that is again, one of the big ones. We, as I said, we had fallen to a point where we weren't competitive with even Washington or Carroll counties. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so we were losing new teachers to other counties, and we weren't necessarily always getting the top of the crop and so I think our pay scale now is back to a competitive where uh, again we don't have people say hey you know I really don't want to work in Frederick County because I can get more money elsewhere Uh, and so I think uh, that's that's important but we also went back and addressed some of our uh, we we had a number of teachers that went four or five years without getting a pay raise and so we had to go back and address those two and fill in some of those gaps to get those folks up to where they should be we were much more competitive on our longer-term employees. Uh, And so, again, this new pay scale has addressed a lot of those issues, and I'm, I'm, like I said, extremely happy to have that completed and we can move forward. Uh, In in the budget, other, other than that, again, you know, we've, uh, over the last year, dedicated new resources to dealing with uh, dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. Uh, we've put additional programs and resources there. Obviously, we've had a very passionate group of folks that have come to our meetings over the last year and uh, commented about the need for those resources. And, and I would say that the board is extremely compassionate to the fact that we have students that have needs. Uh, Again, the state for a while did not allow us to categorize students with those uh, disabilities. We can do that now, and so we're dedicated to providing resources. I'll say in talking to the leaders of state, uh, the state dyslexia programs, that Frederick County is far ahead of most counties in where we've gotten since we've been able to re-put uh, focus on those disabilities. So I'm, I'm happy we have a long way to go. Uh, I feel that we have resources in the budget to deal with those issues, uh, to do the proper training of our teachers for identification, Uh, for intervention and training of those students that need additional resources. So as we move forward, if we identify that there's more need for that, that's something that we'll have to increase in in future budgets. So uh, that is something that is, I think, taken care of in this budget. And I thought that was an interesting situation. Um, You know, there was a recent motion to add that additional $300,000 that didn't end up passing through the board. But it seemed like a unique situation because I was hearing staff saying, you know, we have 
five hundred plus thousand dollars to to kind of tackle this. And um, it's interesting to hear staff say, "No, no, we don't need more money." Um, you know, whereas the advocates right. are saying, "You know, we need more." But I, I felt like some of the board members were saying, and that was your position, that there were other things that. Um, Right. We, we go through a very complex budgeting pros, uh, process where we ask the departments to identify your needs and put a price tag on them. Uh, and if, again, if we added all those things into the budget, we'd probably be asking for $75 million above maintenance of effort. Knowing that that's not possible, we go back and we say, all right, what are the top priorities uh, and what do we absolutely have to have? And we narrow that down. And then everything else goes below that cut line. So as a board member, when I'm sitting here saying I've got staff members that have identified priorities and needs, they've requested funding. We've said, no, we don't we, we can't request that in this year's budget. And then over here, I have somebody saying, well, let's put more money in there that they haven't asked for and you figure out what to do with it. To me, that would just be disingenuous to the whole process. And so, why, again, I'm very uh, respectful and uh, compassionate to those folks that are advocating for the money because if you have a kid with any uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, or dysgraphia, and they struggle every day, I understand their pain. It really is a bad position to be in. But as a school system, we have to identify our priorities and our approach and move forward. And I think we're going in the right directions. It may not be as fast as everybody wants, but we also have 43,000 students and they all have different needs. And so our budget tries to address what we can address uh, and what's been requested and what's being done throughout our school system. And so to vote on putting additional money that wasn't requested, we don't have a specific uh, identified use for it, to me just didn't make sense at that point. And that's why I didn't support the motion. And it wasn't because I don't support uh, you know, finding ways to help our students that have those disabilities. It just wasn't an identified fundable priority in the budget process that we went through. And there was also some conversation, I think I reported on this earlier, about um, recalculation of, of salaries and... Um, reclassification. Reclassification, yes. yeah. I don't remember how much was ended up being dedicated toward that, but can you right. tell us what, what ended up happening with that in the budget? Well, you know, any organization uh, over time, the job descriptions that you have people in change. And, and so even when I was in the banking sector, every so often we'd have to go back and say, all right, what's Emma doing? What does her job description say? And what she's actually doing now? Because many times when you're hired, it says one thing and five years later, it morphs to something else. Now it could morph to something that has higher responsibility or it could morph to something that has lower responsibility. Whatever it is, the position needs to be recategorized and paid based upon the work that's being done. We haven't done that enough at FCPS, and so uh, we have probably people in positions that are doing more than what they're being paid for, and probably some that are being paid less than what, they're, you know, what they should be based on. Uh, probably many more being paid less than being paid more, uh, but we have some of both. And so uh, in the budget process right now, we had, the staff had asked last year for money to have it bring a consultant in to take a look at that. 
Uh, the majority of the board did not want to do that. So right now, uh, HR is using resources that they have internally to work on that. We just hired a new director of human resources who joined us uh, just two weeks ago. So I hope that he's uh, going to take a serious look at that and move that project forward so we can go back uh, again and reclassify positions to where they should be. Yeah, and another area I'm curious about is in terms of technology, and and you know that's been a pretty um, mm-hmm. large area where we're putting a lot of money behind. Um, yeah, you know I've heard some of the board members express some serious concerns about technology right. in the classroom. Um, Particularly, I, I think Jarman and Barrett both kind of had right. some concerns about, you know, is this something we want to be doing? How can we show that it's effective? Right. Do you think that will come up, uh, you know, when you're looking at potentially having to make cuts? Is that right. something going forward that could be in question? Well, well, first off, I say when I joined the board in 2010, the budget for technology was zero. I was just befuddled to look at a budget and see there was no line dedicated to technology. Uh, and at that point, basically, what they were doing was taking year-end dollars and buying computers and resources when they needed them. And I said, no, we need to stop and go back and look. We have an identifiable need each year for technology. We have a replacement cycle. When, when you buy a new laptop or computer, it has a useful life. In the private sector, I use a lap, I go through a new laptop every two years. In the school cycle, that's probably five to eight years that we're going through those. And we need to know that as soon as we buy that computer, we know it needs to be replaced five years from now or eight years from now. So I worked extremely hard to get our budget item for technology up to where it needs to be that we have the appropriate resources. I've been out in some of our older schools where the computers barely start up. They can't run newer programs because the memory's not there and schools have to fundraise to get some of their computers replaced. That just isn't right. We need to make sure they're right. Now that's one piece of the puzzle. The other piece that we're talking about uh, and that, that Ms. Barrett and uh, now Dr. Jarman are talking about are number one, do we need to be one-to-one with every student? Does every student need to have a, a dedicated uh, resource that's there? And number two, then how much time do they spend on it? Uh, because certainly there are studies. And I have a three-year-old grandson, and I try to take the phone out of his hand because yeah. he'll be watching YouTube videos and doing different things. And I'd rather him be out in the backyard with a wiffle ball bat and playing basketball or doing something uh, outside as opposed to being tied to there. So we, we definitely have to watch, and our goal was not to. Uh, the technology should be a resource that teachers have at their disposal to help them teach, but not to be a crutch or a uh, end-all to. It's, it's they, the, the technology does not educate. The teacher does that. Technology needs to be a resource that they have available, that they have computers uh, to use for their students, that they have the appropriate programs, and that they're up to date. And so I don't disagree uh, with either Ms. Barrett or Dr. Jarman in that there can be, you, you can over expose kids, and particularly young kids, to technology. Uh, that being said, uh, the, the way of the world today is that the new generations need to have a lot of technological exposure to be successful in the workplace. And, and so they definitely have to have uh, the exposure, the training, and the experience on that. Now, to Miss Barrett's point, uh, she is always trying to say, how do you 
um, look at the return on investment on what we're spending on technology. How do you correlate that to results and test scores and success rate right. and those kinds of things? And, and I certainly sympathize with her coming from the business world and being a financial person. Any investment, you want to see what's the result of that investment. How did it improve the student's performance and scores? But it's tough to isolate. So if you expose a student to technology and uh, give them programs, is there improvement because of the technology or was it because of a teaching technique that that teacher used? Was it because of the reinforcement that the parents did in the evening? Was it an extra tutor that they had? So there's no way to isolate that one individual variable and say, yes, their improvement in scores was totally because of that uh, computer or technology use. So that's where, uh, again, why I sympathize and agree that I would love to see that. It's it's just impossible to be able to to say that, yes, any improvements in scores were as a direct result of the technology that we employed with students to to improve their score. Right, and I think uh, that there might be a, you know, a lot of districts that struggle with just if you're looking at an individual teacher in classroom, how much time are they spending? How are they using the tools? Yeah. Those kind of tracking things. And, and, and that definitely uh, comes down to the principals at the school mm-hmm. should be doing the evaluation of teachers and if teachers are not using technology correct they should be uh, you know given the appropriate guidance and assistance to know what is the appropriate approach again the technology should not be the teaching technique the teacher teaches the technology is a resource that they have at their disposal to help them teach and learn and uh, do the uh, exercises that the students need to go through. But in the end, it's the teacher teaching. And so again, our administrators need to be uh, evaluating the teachers and those teachers that are not using technology correctly or using it too much need to be given guidance and assistance on how it should be used and what the ultimate objective should be. You've been through this process quite a few times now. Yes. Uh, what has been your strategy and how, is that, how have you kind of developed that when it comes to, okay, you're going to get back a number um, right. from, from County Executive um, Gardner and from County Council, right. um, and it's going to be less than what you're asking. How well, we hope not. Well, <laughs> could be less than. What from experience, it will be what we yeah. hope not. <laughs> Historically, been less than you know what you're asking. What's your What's your strategy, and how do you go about making those difficult decisions? You mentioned class size. Yeah. I mean, it, how do you go into that? It's very tough. So first, we want to see what the number is, and then uh, again, uh, we try to be conservative in our budget in a number of categories. Uh, so that we can go back and hopefully find some additional cost savings. Uh, Obviously, every year we have quite a number of employees retire. We don't really know the exact number until later. So by the time we get to the point of finalizing the budget, we'll have some pretty hard numbers there, and hopefully we'll have some additional cost savings there. We'll know how much money we spent on snow removal uh, in the year, and if hopefully if that year you know was not a, a big year, we have additional resources there. We know how much money we spent on energy. Uh, so we can take a look at those things and hopefully find some savings so we can reduce the gap. The other big one, one of our biggest expenses as a school system is the benefits that we provide and primarily our health insurance. And so right now in our budget, we're working off what we would consider to be a conservative 
estimate as to what the increase in our health insurance rate will be. So if hopefully that estimate comes in at less than that, then there'll be cost savings there that will help reduce that gap as well. So once we get down to whatever the actual number is, that here's the number that you have to find, then we have to start to take a look at priorities and figure out where where those monies can be saved and at uh, uh, again, at what cost to what programs that are there. Unfortunately, in most cases, those decisions are one good thing versus another good thing. It would be great to say, all right, we got this thing in here that it's okay and it would be okay if we got rid of it. Those have all been gone over the last 12 years. Uh, my first four years on the board, we cut a lot out of the budget. We now have the lowest central office spend uh, in the state compared to other school systems, the amount of money that we spend on central office. Uh, we cut everything down as much as we could uh, in those years where we had to be prudent because we didn't have the money. Uh, and so there's not a lot of places that we can look to and say, all right, we've got this program that, that's there that we don't really need. We've, we've cut those things. They're gone. So the last couple of years, anything that we have to cut is, again, cutting something that we feel is good or critical to our school system. So it's not a comfortable mode. So what I look to is, again, obviously, uh, we'll ask staff to come back and say, you know, what recommendations do you have where you can say we can, maybe we can do without this for a year, we can, you know, defer textbook purchases for a year, whatever it might be to make up some of those gaps that are there. Uh, But they're not generally good choices that that we want to make. And like I say, the the cutting of class size a few years ago uh, was a very tough one. And it's one that will be stuck with us for a number of years and probably will be with us for a number of years more. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Switching gears a little bit here, I'm going to go grab our colleague Steve, who covers county government, to walk us through what's happening at the county budget process. So it's budget season across Frederick County right now, and we're here with county government reporter Steve Bonal. Steve, thanks for joining us. Of course. Um, And we want to ask you a little bit about uh, what some of the priorities are and um, what the process will be going forward. Right now, the budget is, um, you know, underway with County Executive Jan Gardner. They're still drafting it pretty much at this point. Drafting Uh, it at this point. And a big portion of the budget will be education. So we just heard about the education budget. And now we want to hear from you about what the other components of uh, the county's budget will be. Wyatt, um, if you want to kick us off. Yeah, maybe the best place to start, Steve, is what does the budget fund outside of education and what sort of what is the timeline going forward with this budget season? Yeah, so I guess the interesting thing about budgets is that fiscal years aren't calendar years. So the budget cycle each year is July 1st to June 30th. Um, to answer your other question, just about what the budget funds outside of schools, I mean, parks, public safety, infrastructure, you know, a whole gamut of things, basically, that helps county government operate, so. And there are parts of the budget that the county is legally required to fill, such as the health department or the sheriff's office. However, part of the budget is what's called like a discretionary fund. And how much of that money in the fund is considered discretionary? And how does that spending sort of tell us about what the county's priorities are for the upcoming year? Yeah, so this last budget is around 18%. And a number figure that's 113 million. Um, that's the kind of stuff that goes toward parks, ag preservation is a big thing that's being kicked around by the council members right now about how much money should go toward that. Because once you get outside of Frederick City, there's a lot of discussion about growth and development and you know how to properly handle that. And ag preservation is a big 
funding piece of that in a sense. So that's that's sort of one area of that whole argument. I think because education does take up such a big portion of the budget, I'm curious to hear, you know, I've heard a lot from board members that they feel they have a great relationship with the county executive, that the county executive really prioritizes education. Have you gotten that sense and and what do you expect? Because the board has asked for, um, you know, more than what they're expected to receive from state and county funding. So what can you expect? What, what can you tell us about what to expect? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I definitely feel like, and it's going to come down to the council too, because the council obviously has to approve the budget but I will say I mean if you look at the maintenance of effort specifically they've only had to by law give five million dollars and Jan's always put 12 million the last couple of years and the the council has adopted that budget so from this just looking at that metric they have properly allocated or not properly but they have allocated sufficient funding to schools um, I think the great debate now is when it comes to education, how we're growing, obviously a big piece of this is building new schools. And a lot of the council members are going to have to argue, you know, and this is getting, but they're going to, have to argue how new schools should be built, where they should be built, how they should be paid for, if certain fees associated with the budget should be raised. And that's kind of what the political side of this kind of looks like in terms of trying to decide how to properly you know, determine the district's future and handle that moving forward. And some of that money to pay for the new schools and to help with this growth that'll come through the budget? Yeah, the, basically, so looking at it holistically, the county p- gives about half of its budget, about 300 or so million to the Board of Education, and the Board of Education is able to use that money and how it sees fit. Um, now, there's certain things outside of that when it comes to certain taxes that can also go to school construction and whatnot. One of those is the recordation tax, and I believe about 10 to 15% of that right now goes towards the school construction fund. Um, so it's, there's little pieces like that, but for the most part, what the, board, what the public school system can do is determined by the Board of Education. They have a lot of power in terms of their operations. So. And when you when the county looks at the budget and is creating this this sort of idea of how to fund these programs, how much of that funding is coming from taxes directly? A good portion, uh, and the thing that to keep in mind is a lot of the funding does come from the state as well. So there's obviously that dynamic of working with state and local officials and determining how much money should go to schools at the higher the state level. And I know Emma's covered a lot of the Kerwin Commission and how that's going to impact funding moving forward, especially for areas that, you know, are more impoverished and basically are determined uh, these areas might need more funding based off of different sets of needs and whatnot. So that's definitely right now in Annapolis, that's going to have impacts at the local level, certainly what that commission finds in the report and how kind of local officials, including here in Frederick County, act on that report. So Yeah, maybe, Emma, if you want to jump in, what is the Kerwin Commission for people who might not be familiar? Yeah, so we had a chance to talk a little bit about this with um, President Young, but um, the Kerwin Commission is a state commission on education. Um, They've been working to compile a report for the past two years. That report is now out, um, but we're still missing some details in terms of how the funding will be allocated to different counties. 
and we have no information about what the legislation could look like. Um, So I've been hearing from a lot of board members, and I'm sure you've been hearing this at the county level, that um, local, um, you know, local governances and districts have really no idea what to expect. Um, It could mean a lot more funding, potentially. The funding could be very um, much come with strings attached or it could be um, assigned to very specific things which might not meet you know certain needs of schools so um, it's very up in the air but it is something that I know the Board of Education and FCPF staff has been keeping an eye on do you have <laughs> do you want me? no that's good do you want, do you want me to go no? uh, I don't know I have another question, but it's like shifting away from education. Okay. Unless you have That was education. probably my, I don't think I have other education questions, so I can just be quiet now. <laughs> oh, you can ask other questions too. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Steve, obviously education takes up a big portion of the budget, but there are other things. And we're in a period now where the public is sort of advocating for different things being included in the budget. And I know you've attended some public hearings. What are you hearing from people about what they want to see in our budget. Yeah, there was one in December, and uh, Brad Young spoke at that public hearing about education. What I heard a lot actually was uh, arts. A lot of arts people came out, especially from Frederick City, advocating for, you know, just additional resources that fund programs and activities and whatnot. I remember one of the people that hearing argued that, well, if you invest in the arts, that'll stimulate business growth and you know other improvements to the community. So. And then there was another citizen from Frederick who had a really interesting idea. Uh, he lives in Frederick, but he, he's older and has older friends outside the city. And he made the argument that there should be a mobile bus for government services that goes outside the county, kind of brings the services to those people in Emmitsburg or Brunswick or other remote parts of the county, just because some older people don't have a car and can't get around. And I know there's been reporting kind of in a vein, especially going north, that they've kind of lessened bus service to Thurmond and Emmitsburg. So it remains to be seen how that's going to be implemented. I thought it was an interesting idea because it's true. A lot of the services at the county level especially are concentrated in the Frederick area, Frederick City area. So. Do you have any more questions? I have a final question. Do you have anything else you want to add? That's good. Okay. I'm good. So, Steve, uh, with this budget process, obviously this is an ongoing process, but what can the public sort of expect to see next in the next stage? The debate's going to start to heat up, especially when around April 15th, because that's when Jan Garner, the county executive, needs to submit uh, a budget to the council by the county charter. And then the, the council has from that time to the end of May to adopt the budget. So really in between that date and May 31st, there's going to be a lot of debate. I think there's going to be a week of workshops where they're literally going <laughs> to, the council's going to take off from their day jobs, come into Winchester Hall and just pretty much hear about, uh, you know, different divisions and funding priorities and whatnot. Um, something that's interesting to note, a couple of things. One, the budget must be balanced, which at the federal level, that's not true. And then also uh, moving forward, if the council can't decide by majority vote, so four out of seven, to approve the budget, then the budget just becomes adopted, like it becomes law. So there's no chance of a government shutdown at the county level, which it's funny, uh, me and Alan, one of our city editors, emailed a couple of the budget people, and I kind of laughed when he asked that question, like, well, people are concerned. It's rightfully so, because, I mean, 
it's certain things when the government shuts down that you don't notice about, you know, sewer water and like basic utilities that could come into question, which seem very much at the micro level, but impact our day to day lives. So no chance of a shutdown. The budget will be adopted one way or the other if the council's behind it or not. So good to know. Steve, thanks for joining us. Sure. This podcast was produced by. Wait, wait, Emma, you have an announcement, don't you? I actually do. Yeah, this is going to be my last podcast. Well, we have been very thankful to have you on the podcast, and we wish you the best in your career going forward. Thank you, and it feels good knowing I'm leaving it in good hands. Well, why don't you take us out one last time? This podcast was produced by Wyatt Massey, me, Emma Kerr, and Graham Collin, and edited by Graham Collin.